0: Hello there and welcome back to another episode of Thanks Morris. I am Marie, the SLP. Friends, before we get into this week's interview, I just want to share a life update. I know I've updated you in weeks past, but I am officially moved back in at my mom's house. and It is honestly a nice little pause in life right now. I'm back in my childhood home. She has um, a wonderful property and Big backyard with lots of outdoor plants that are to die for, as well as some chickens. So I've been spending some time learning the lay of the land um, and getting used to the rooster crowing in the morning. But all that to say, I am just feeling so grateful, so at peace and so excited for what's to come. And, and there's your update. All right, we're going to get into a fun conversation. I'm actually splitting this interview into two parts because it was too good to cut short. My friend Gracie from Gracie SLP is here and she and I are talking all about her background as a general education teacher and how that has given her quite the foundation and perspective as a speech-language pathologist. She is in her clinical fellowship and she's doing amazing things and I just love what she has to bring to the table in this field because she's really bridging the gap between the general education teacher and the speech-language pathologist, which if you are a school-based SLP, you know what I mean. So let's get talking. Hi, Grace. Thanks for joining me on this. I don't know about you, but it's gloomy out here in Southern California.
1: <laughs> hey, Marie. Thanks so much for having me. It's It might be a little bit gloomy here by California standards, but I would say in terms of Michigan, like it looks pretty good. The sun's out, but it's also like 40 degrees. So <laughs> Okay,
0: there you go. No. We take
1: what we can get, right? But it's supposed to snow tomorrow. So Nice. Yeah. Nice. It's all about balance, you know?
0: Yeah. Right. You have to, I know it's kind of funny. Cause like, you know, Californians were like, Oh my gosh, the minute it gets below 60 degrees, we all freak out. And yeah. yesterday there was literal ice. I mean, it wasn't like chunks of ice or anything, but just, you know, a nice thin layer of frost on my car when I was getting out, yeah. you know, getting into the driveway. And then I was like, well, this is yeah. fun. I didn't really know what to do, but, um,
1: <laughs> Right. Which is the opposite of like michigan who are Michiganders who decide that we're going to wear shorts when it's fifty degrees out? Mostly guys, but a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of women too. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. You know,
0: we just <laughs> we all have different uh, different ways of coping.
1: different standards, right? It's all relative. Exactly. I feel like is a quote that literally applies to everything. So yeah,
0: exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I'm so excited to get to talk with you, and you, um, you know, we're gonna. I feel like we're gonna talk about quite a lot. But I just. I'm excited because you have such a, a cool background as a speech pathologist now, right? Okay, you you're you're done. You're, you're a You're speech pathologist now, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, I started my um, CF experience or my CF year uh, yesterday. Was the end of my second week.
0: Okay, because like a couple weeks ago, I know you had told me. Yeah. I said, okay. I was like, wait, she's like, she's in it now. Um. So you're you're an SLP now, but. I want you to,
1: um, I'm getting, I'm so sorry. Your audio was coming out for me. It was
0: right. Okay. I got, can't hear you. Darn it. Okay. Let's see what happens.
1: Oh, there it is. Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. I heard weird feedback and I was like, Oh, something happened. Anyways, let's go get into it. Let's just have you talk instead of me. Um,
1: Let's do it. Yeah.
0: Go ahead and tell us about your background. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, kind of growing up, I always knew that I wanted to work with kids. Like, I tutored at an after-school program in middle school, and then I did that in high school, too. And then, you know, in college, I my undergrad was in elementary education, so I had multiple experiences and placements in different elementary schools, um, but all with elementary-age kids. So, by the time I graduated, um, my degree was in elementary education with a With like a minor in language arts, so I was qualified to teach K through five as well as six through eight language arts. um, Because I definitely wasn't going to do math, I didn't really have an interest in working with middle schoolers at the time. But that was part of my degree, so (laughs) so yeah. And then so I graduated um, in August of twenty. Well, I technically graduated in August of twenty eleven, and then I had my student teaching for a year in kindergarten. Um, which was awesome. I love that age group, but it was really nice because at least here, the class sizes were really small. I had two groups of 14 kids each, and we were still doing two and like a half day kindergarten. So we had, they had two full days and one half day. So it was really, I don't know, it felt like how it should be, you know, anyway. So I tried to find a job out here and I couldn't find anything. Um, So I got a phone call from my recruiter at Michigan State um, about a job in Phoenix and she basically gave me the principal's information because they do the hiring there. Um, so I spoke with the principal and I was (laughs) hired after one phone interview. It was crazy. And I learned when I got the job, Marie, that it was also the first day of school. I was interviewing on the first day of school. So school has already started, right? So it was crazy. So I, I moved out there like the next week. My parents helped me pack up all my stuff and track it across the country. Um, driving we took my car and we got there and it was so hot. August in Phoenix is brutal. It was horrible. So I'm running around like trying to find an apartment. It was crazy. Um but I was really lucky because a substitute teacher started my room and she was retired and she was just amazing. So she actually gave me all of her materials. She had to stay with me for the first like 3 weeks cuz I had to get um like a fingerprint clearance background check and things and that takes a little bit of time there. So so yeah, so she started it and kind of took me under her wing and really helped me a lot because I hadn't worked with second grade before. Um, so yeah, that was a crazy way to start. But basically I taught for two years in a district where it was about 99% um, students who spoke English as their second language and Spanish as their first language. So that was pretty interesting because the classes were divided up based on an English proficiency test that was given to those students in Arizona. So my first year, I taught second graders that qualified for the mainstream classroom, um, so they had passed that English proficiency test, which I have mixed feelings about. You know, now kind of as an SLP, which I'm sure you can guess why. But um, and then my second year, I taught kids that were at the the emergent level that that test placed them into. So there's like pre-emergent was the the highest support needed, and then emergent was the next highest support needed so and it was crazy because as a second year teacher I was the most experienced teacher on my team that's what that kind of tells you about this school right so yeah it was crazy but I learned so much you know about classroom management because I was just kind of just thrown into it and had to like teach myself and trial and error a lot of stuff um which is kind of how you learn you know a lot of things anyway which I I don't know (laughs) I don't know why that is but right we do So then I taught third grade for two years, and I love both those grades because, you know, in second grade, you're more, um, you're more learning to read. You're still really teaching the kids those, you know, phonological awareness, phonics skills, things like that, where in third grade, they're expected to know how to read, and now they have to read to learn, right? They're reading to comprehend to do all of those crazy common Core standards that are now expected of them, which are really, really high level. When you actually see the questions, and that's something I think that is, that has an SLP. I feel far removed from. It. I feel like I don't understand or don't have ready access to like a seventh grade level text. I mean, I know there's websites and things that we use, but like some of the things I see people list as high school level, I'll look at those texts and be like, no, my third graders had more challenging text when I had like Common Core aligned books. You know, like the expectations have just jumped so much. So I think that's kind of crazy, but. So after four years, I was feeling really burnt out. I was feeling really, um, was really I'm, I don't know, I'm a really empathetic person. I identify as like an Enneagram too. So anything I'm going to put like my emotions into and my really my heart into. And I just had such like an academic range in my classroom. You know, I had kids functioning at like a pre-K level in terms of all their academic concepts, to like a sixth grade level in second grade. You know, there's just such a variation, which is then what led me to speech language pathology where I really feel like I can individualize that's cool so yeah that's what led me to that was a long answer for that
0: (laughs) no but it's good it's good to see that like especially talking about like you know you've had experience with those common core standards you've seen the variation there you've seen kind of the the discrepancy like you know with those third and then seventh grade level things and yeah I think it gives you such you know um a helpful insight, especially for, you know, as like a school, school-based SLP, we, like you said, we don't always have the access to the things that our students might need to access their academics, like, um, right. and so, you know, that's, that's really helpful. I think that a part of the reason I like being a, an SLP as opposed to a teacher, though, is because I don't like dealing with those standards. I, I don't like that, mm-hmm. I mean, personally, I have a hard time withholding the kids to those standards, like when we mm-hmm. look at when we look at what they need individually, right? But so I yeah. I kind of agree with you there. Where I like having things more individualized for my my students, and you know, being yeah. able to have small groups and things like yeah. that. Well, and uh, then you
1: feel like you're really making a difference, especially when you think about like you know how you're supposed to teach someone something. You're not supposed to if they're here. You're not supposed to teach it ten steps ahead. You're supposed to, which which is where the Common Core standard might be here. Right. So teach it one step ahead and then they bump up and then I'm one more step ahead and so on so exactly yeah
0: Um, so then you how I'm curious how like okay so you had because you had your teaching credential you were able Mm -hmm. to be in the classroom for four years and everything so when you decided to go towards the path of speech pathology what was it like for you with like going back to school and all that
1: I mean, I was a little bit older. So it was interesting. I was like the third oldest student in my cohort. I'm 32, right? I'm not like 45. But if and I don't have kids, you know, so it felt but I definitely felt like if I had tried to go back to school, when I was 21, with how intense this program was, like, it would have been really hard. You know, I just, I was so much more dedicated. And I I mean, because I had to be so I did two semesters of um like all the core classes like phonetics and all that stuff because I didn't have my undergrad in communication sciences right and so then after those two semesters I started my grad program which was four semesters so technically my whole thing was six semesters or like two and a half years ish I started in August of 2018.
0: Yeah Mm -hmm. and our um my program, I went to the University of Redlands. They had something similar. Like if you already had like a bachelor's in psychology or teaching or whatever, then mm-hmm. um, you would kind of do something similar where you would come early,
1: yeah,
0: take all the core classes, and then join the, the cohort, like the next cohort, um, yeah, and graduate with them. So they called it Grad Plus students.
1: <laughs> you just, owe more money. You know, I'm getting. <laughs> That's it, basically it. Plus some money, I mean, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, my university had two tracks, and so, but that's actually why I chose it, because I couldn't, there wasn't anything else that I could find that did that,
0: you know? Okay, yeah, and that's, it's rare. They have it, like, in in my area, I know of two in Southern California, like, two come come to mind out of all the universities, yeah. so. Yeah,
1: and there's a lot of universities, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, yeah. Not, not that I'm saying there are only two, that's just what comes to mind, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, but no, that's, you know, it's, it's cool to think about that. Cause I know like I've had a lot of people recently, I think, because I think this year has just taken a toll. It's taken a toll on all of us, um, whether you're an SLP or a teacher or whatever, but I've had a lot of teachers come to me like, I'm thinking about doing what you do. And I'm like,
1: mm. look into
0: it. Like, it doesn't mean it's easier. It looks maybe, you know, I think the, I think the fact that we get to individualize things, it makes it it is more fun in my opinion. That's what makes it more fun for
1: me. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> but, harder in different areas. There's different facets about it that's harder. Exactly.
0: You know? Exactly. Yeah. But I think I just have had a lot of people coming to me like, what's uh, it like to go back? And I'm like, well, you know, I don't really know. But, I, you know, so I'm, I'm, thank you for answering that question for me. Oh,
1: yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, because you went straight through. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: I was, I mean, yeah. like you, though, I, you know, I took my, my sweet time, not mm-hmm. like you, not that you took your sweet time, but I was older in my class. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I definitely think, because I had taken my time, I guess, in deciding what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and so I definitely, you know, I felt, I felt that, I felt that kind of, oh, I'm a little bit older, not by too much, but,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, I'm in my, what, my fourth year now and I'm 30 and that's, I guess by now you'd maybe be 28. So mm-hmm. <laughs> there's the math yeah. there. Um, yeah, for sure. But it just, it definitely, you know, the fact that I had taken longer in school showed a little bit in just my, um, not, I don't want to say maturity, because I think that we all were pretty mature, but just my, how serious I took some of the yeah. clinicals and things like that.
1: Yeah. Um, I also think about like my first exam ever, right, I was in anatomy, you know, I see sure. all those different. Terms like, anterior, posterior, which I had no experience with prior to that, so, like, I started studying for that exam two and a half weeks before it happened, and every night, I would go over my notes, and then, like, you know, fast forward to the end, where, I mean, I would still take a few days, for sure, and, like, write out my notes and stuff, but I was not near as. <laughs> dedicated. Right. With that kind of stuff, you mean? Yeah, yeah.
0: That's exactly, that's how <laughs> I was, too. I mean, but
1: I realized I didn't need to be, too, you know, but that was just, yep. like, yeah, my... I- i more,
0: I, my biggest concern was clinic and, um, you know, the application of things. I think that's, and, and I think that that as that was a personal thing, but that's what helped me thrive. I just kind of knew my focus and not always, sometimes I'd freak out. Of course, we know mm-hmm. I, I definitely got a C on exam, like on my anatomy exams.
1: Okay. It happens, right?
0: But it was just one of those things. Yeah. Where I was like, well, but then I go into clinic and I can prove that I know what I'm doing, so. Exactly. So grades don't matter like <laughs> that. Right? It's
1: much more about your ability to connect and help your clients, obviously. That's
0: exactly it. I think what, what saved me was my, it just comes down to people skills sometimes. Not that I have right. the best, but I think when I, as a clinician, I think that was, that's why I knew I wanted to do what I wanted to do. Um, yeah. Right. And we both have very similar, we, we both have worked with preschoolers, which is a whole other beast, I think. Yes. Um so you cuz you did an internship with preschool right?
1: Yes. So yeah, that was my first kind of full-time internship if you will. My first internship was just one day a week, one lesson with two different students at two lessons a week. And my second internship was, was was with preschoolers where I was there three full days a week and then I had classes like Thursday, Friday. So I got yeah, quite a bit of experience. I was in um an ECSE classroom. And then we also on the SLP like my pre I don't know what you guys call like your supervisor. Our my preceptor's caseload she also had um like a I know. A <laughs> I don't know if you use that. I've always thought it's the
0: weirdest right it's so weird it sounds like a Star Wars term.
1: <laughs> I know. It sounds like a Harry Potter character. Oh yeah, the preceptor. I we just
0: called a supervisor. <laughs>
1: I know, right, I know, so that's kind of actually funny, yeah, because whenever I've been, t- like, whenever I've told my friends stories, I'm like, oh, yeah, my precepts, they're like, what, yeah, so <laughs> this just confirms, which makes sense, right, so yeah, I was in the ECSC room, you know, where we had, we had kiddos with all different kinds of, you know, eligibilities, we had kids with just SLI, we had kids with Down syndrome, Um, kids with autism, yeah, so, and it was, it was quite a high needs group. I mean, for sure. But it was yeah. so rewarding because what I, why part of the reason why I love preschool is because you can do so much that's play based, you know, like that's, yeah. their, that's their language. That's how you get to them anyway. And so I just like that's so fun. And I feel like I'm pretty good at that and I like that. Yeah. You know? And so, but I feel like that's the group that, again, that's kind of the way they communicate anyway. So that's just like, you know, you have such an in with them if that's. Oh, yeah you're interacting yeah
0: i yesterday i made what was i we didn't have time because you know right now with things like cleaning oh my gosh it's a little bit of a mess i'm still figuring it out and my Mm. sweet little friend you know i had two cars set aside for him but we did not have time to pull out the big racetrack like he knows i have it but i had it hidden he was mm-hmm. like, I want the racetrack. And I was like, we're going to do a race on the table, you know? And I was so enthusiastic and he bought it and we did it. And, you know, yeah. I'm like, dang, I still got it. You know, I, st- I can still make this fun. Yeah. But, you know, that's you're like you said, that's where they're at. You can make anything. Um, yeah,
1: But that's a skill too. Making something that might not be fun, seem fun. Cause then kids are like, oh, I was wrong. Maybe it was fun. Exactly.
0: Wow. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah that, that is a skill. And I definitely, you know, <laughs> If you're not into that, I wouldn't recommend preschool. Um, no. you, have have a <laughs> you, um, you have to have You do. You
1: have to be their leader. You're not going to get anywhere with them for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah. you've had, um, and you've had quite a variety of experiences too—not just with preschool, but in your internships, um, right. you did. Which, which I, I think we both are. It's similar, and because I know you've done, you know, even as a teacher, you've had different grade levels, and then right. um, as an SLP, you've done middle school too. Yeah. Um, and then the, the oral deaf program.
1: Yes. So my first internship was just the one day a week and I worked with two different students who had, yeah, who were in an oral deaf program, which I mean, it was really interesting, you know, to see how independent the kids were, you know, and understanding their hearing aids and putting them together and realizing, you know, when there was something they had to to change or had to Mm -hmm. fix. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I learned a lot of, you know, really good kind of auditory visual strategies, if you will. I'm not sure if that's the right terminology, but just for working with that population too, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. No, you've had
0: like, you, I just feel like you've done kind of the range. Um, and yeah.
1: now currently, where are you now? I'm in high school. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of hilarious because it's like the one age range in the schools that I've never really had. Mm -hmm. You know, experience with or a desire to really Mm -hmm. hang out with or work with. Um, However, they're really cool. I really like them after the first few weeks with them. Yeah. Good. Good. High school, Um, it's a special
0: area. It's it's really cool.
1: Yeah. It's, yeah. So it's kind of like teaching in speech language pathology. You know, there's like pros and cons, obviously. But part of what I've noticed is they don't necessarily need, you know, like a reinforcer or like something fun or like anything really to keep them motivated. Like if you're into it, you know, and if you're kind of having fun and like joking with them and working in like personal interests and things like that, like that's how you, I feel like that's their language. Like that's how you keep their engagement to me. I mean, that, that applies to younger kids too, but I feel like, especially with high like a few of them, I've asked them, I'm like, do you need, do you want to, you know, do this? Do you? And they're like, no, like, okay. So we'll just keep, Yeah. Yes. Which is, you know, it's it's a lot less – like, I have this giant box of all these, like, you know, puppets and basically, like, a circus performer box that I would bring with me to my elementary school placement, which was my last placement in grad school, you know, just to be ready for all those kids to keep up with them and have yeah. plan A, B, E, F, G, just to make sure. But with yeah. these kids, they, yeah.
0: Yeah, you don't need all of that. And it's kind of back to the basics. Like, you know, just yeah. make it fun and, and tailor it to them. It's – I – I feel like high school, sometimes it goes back to preschool, like as far as what we do, not necessarily, um, not that they're, they're not preschoolers, but you know, you follow their lead, you include their interests, you know, to, to make them motivated to communicate. We don't need to always have a treasure box or stickers (laughs) or
1: life is right. Like their reward is communication, right? Exactly. Exactly. I used to have a treasure box. I had a beautiful treasure box is a graphic designer so it's gorgeous yeah but, <laughs> no. but yeah I mean the treasure box was never good enough like the next week they were like well where's this exactly and I'm like oh my gosh
0: yeah it just no. yeah it became so I I stopped it and then now um with COVID because then I would do stickers but not as like a reinforcer it was stickers like yeah. to signify like okay we're done with speech oh yeah but yeah but and and I think sometimes that's still okay, but it's funny because now I, I've like I'm, like, I'm over it. We're not doing stickers. We're not doing anything. You know, this has been yeah. like, like the whole COVID thing. It's been a clean break. I'm coming mm-hmm. back with just a, a desire to make it fun, make them want to, I mean, they do, they, they pre in preschool, you don't have a hard time. Once they learn what it's like in speech there, they come, Yeah, <laughs> they're motivated, but I want to get into what we wanted to talk about, kind of like the overall theme. I'm like, I feel like we just talk, that's, I tell everybody that comes on the podcast, sorry, you're just going to talk with me for hours because I just don't shut up and go off on Tantor. Um, But we wanted to talk about um, <clears throat> like underdiagnosis of language disorders and mm-hmm. basically kind of fuse what you've learned being an elementary school teacher. Um, and then now with you know, being a speech language pathologist.
1: um. Yeah, so I feel like this topic is really important to me for a few different reasons. So in undergrad, I did a project with a group um, just about how, you know, language disorders are so underdiagnosed. And it kind of makes sense when you think about what, what obviously sticks out in a classroom as a little different, right? It's a kid that has errors past the age where, you know, most kids have those errors you're much less likely to be able to pick out a kid that has a language disorder as opposed to a speech sound disorder. So I think that contributes to it, but there's also the piece of the risk that students with language disorders have of like literacy disorders. And there's just so much more that goes into it, you know? Um, So that's why it's important. And it's like the guilt in me of now I think about all those students that I've had in my past and I'm like, oh, she probably had a language disorder. He probably had some type of language disorder, you know, and the things I could have done, which, I mean, I know that it's like, when you know better, you do better, right? Like you can't, you can't do what you don't know. What wasn't in your program, what you didn't study. But like, I had no idea that language disorders even existed. You know, I knew, I mean, I went into my grad program thinking SLP treated the R sound. So it was a whole new world when I saw everything that was out there and that students really needed support with. So I feel like, yeah, that's part of the reason, you know, that it's like important to me.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I think, because I think what helps you and gives you that edge too, is maybe that eventually that, um, and maybe you're already doing it, but that teacher education piece, because, you know, like my mom is a general education teacher. She's been Mm -hmm. a teacher for years. And when I, when I started looking into the career of speech pathology, she barely knew what exactly it was we do, let alone me. Like, so when I was learning and in grad school, I lived with her throughout grad school and was telling her, you know, she helped me study for my final exams. And she's, I remember one day we were at her, her kitchen counter and We were talking about I think it was language disorder versus a difference I think that was the question she was helping Mm -hmm. me with but it was definitely very heavy on language disorder versus like a speech sound thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and she was like I never would have thought that you know this is what our because she's middle school but she's like I didn't uh I didn't realize that's what our SLP was was doing and I was like yeah that's Mm -hmm. you know and it's very, it's funny because, you know, I don't mind being called speech teacher. I don't mind being called the speech therapist Mm -hmm. or anything, but I'm very adamant, like in IP meetings, I'm the speech language pathologist. Like I want that language word to be like in italics, bold, underlined, like all those things, because I think that's a big part of what we do that, and it's something that gets overlooked. Um, And it, you know, it, it, I think I'm so into you know, I'm the field of speech pathology is like, I'm so infused with it that I don't even realize sometimes how overlooked we get until I go talk to somebody at work and they're like, oh, well, don't you just work on like sounds, you know? And I'm like, no. Um, yeah, for sure. So I definitely, you know, I love that you have this, this background now that you can kind of Be able to, you know, even if it's just a simple conversation, but you're like, well, when I was in the classroom, because you have that connection with teachers, sometimes I think there's this like, you know, divide, the culture is, is weird with speech therapists and teachers and, you know. um,
1: And I think about like me as a teacher, I, I was so overworked and so underpaid and I know Uh, and I, I assume that that's how a lot of them feel just because I know the life. And I, Mm -hmm. I hate to ask them to do like one more thing. Right. And like put another thing on their plate and be like, you should learn this too. You know? Yeah. So I, I feel like I've had a good connection with some teachers that I've worked with just in my undergrad and even at where I'm at now because of that. Right. Like, I I feel like, I don't know, maybe it gives me like an end to, or maybe they just, I don't know. It's a commonality.
0: Yeah, It's it's like anything, right? When we have differences with anybody, regardless of like it being because of a job title, because of a cultural background, when you can, one of my favorite, I, I heard it on a podcast and I can't remember right now, but one of my favorite things was, you know, when you have differences with somebody, sit down to have a conversation. And the first thing you should do is find something that's common. Um, mm-hmm. if you're trying to solve some kind of a problem or get to know somebody, like when you can find something that's common, he was like, you can talk for hours on it, but if yeah. you don't sit there and actually like find that common ground, it's going to be harder. Um, yeah. and I think with teachers and SLP, my thing is my mom. I always bring up my mom. She's a Jenna teacher, you know, because then yeah,
1: hey. people
0: are like, Oh, you know, and in my district, we teach in the same district. And so people are like, well, Oh, you cool. do as your mom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I know it's very fun. True. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, so it's it's just important. It's important to do, and Mm -hmm. and I, you know, I'm I'm very um, spoiled right now with my program because I work alongside my special ed and gen ed teachers because it's a full inclusion program in our preschool. If I were to move even grade levels in the same district, I wouldn't have the same relationships with teachers. And I think part of it is like I'm spoiled, but I also feel like okay, well now I I know how I know how to talk with them and. And I can maybe push a little mm-hmm. bit harder to, to collaborate if I ever do move or anything like yeah. that. Because um, yeah. <clears throat> that collaboration helps our students, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. when we talk about these language disorders um, and the prevalence of them, you know, mm-hmm. that it starts with how we collaborate, I feel like. Exactly.
1: Collaboration and communication and education, yeah, for sure. Yep. is the only way it's going to happen, right? Yeah. 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 Um,
0: All right, friends, stay tuned for part two with grace. That'll be out within the next week and, um, you know, happy better speech and hearing month. I'm going to keep this ending short and just say, thank you. And we'll be talking soon. Have a great one.